Hello and welcome to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're recording this on Sunday morning, May 8th, 2022. I'm Larry Rhodes, or Doubter 5, and as usual, we have our com- uh, co-host online with us. Hello, Wombat. Hello, I'm the Wombat. And our guests today are Dread Pirate Higgs. Welcome. Uh, the Frozen North. Uh, the John Richards from over in England Way. And George, George Brown from East Tennessee. Uh, each new guest, uh, I'm sorry, Digital Free Thought Hour is a talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faith, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you get the feeling that you're the only non-believer in your town, well, you're just not. In Knoxville, in the middle of the Bible Belt, we have a group of over a thousand of us. And we'll tell you more about that group after the mid-show break. Wombat, what's our topic today? We've got a number of topics today. We're talking about the universe and karma. Do atheists threaten Christianity? And then, of course, my personal favorite, science says that atheists are more unhappy than Christians. And let's talk about the validity <laughs> of those studies. But before we get into the meat and potatoes, we're going to throw it up to our own nudely priester in practice to lead us in our weekly invocation. Our nudely Lord, who art in a colander, al Dante be thy noodles. Thy blood be rum, thy sauce be yum with meat, as it is with vegetables. Give us this day our garlic bread and forgive us our cussing as we forgive those who cuss against us. And lead us not into ketoism, but deliver us some... Grog. <laughs> For that we are the, are, thine are the noodles and the sauces and the grog whenever and ever. What happened there? What happened there? What happened there? <laughs> a brain fart. I think it was karma. I think it was karma. Oh, speaking of karma, why don't you tell us about it? I thought it was a fake glitch. Ah, yeah. (laughs) It was a glitch in the matrix. There you go. There you go. So speaking of karma, Dredd, what what do you mean by that? What are you talking about? Yeah, well, you know, I I find it interesting in talking with people who don't identify either as religious or even spiritual in some, some cases. Hmm. who still say things like, well, you know, if it's meant to be, or, you know, uh, you know, hopefully uh, karma is going to get them for, you know, their bad deeds and all that kind right. of stuff. What goes around comes around. What goes hmm. around comes around. Exactly. And I find them, you know, for the most part in even SE discussions like street epistemology or Socratic examination, that people come to realize that they don't really uh, they haven't really given that a lot of thought in in many cases, right? Um, but uh, you know, of course, you have to think about what would have to be true about the nature of the universe for karma to to exist at all. Sure. Um, if there's no God, or you know, if there's no background designer, who would be keeping a record of all this stuff, and how would it be recorded in you know the 
the background, like would it be recorded in the cosmic background radiation somehow? Mm-hmm. But uh, I, th- I thought it intriguing because I, I've always, you know, kind of wondered because I used to, I used to say that too. I used to believe in karma. When you when you believed in karma, what it, what specifically was it that you believed in? Was it just a vague sense of justice or a meticulous detail of actions by every person and weighing and balancing of it? Or was it something yeah. else? Yeah, yeah. Something something like a weighing and balancing that there was, you know, a ledger, you know, in some respects, like, um, you know, the more good deeds I did, you know, hopefully it would come back on me and you know, I might win the lottery or something you know, like, like that. Like the Egyptian know. gods used to weigh weigh the soul of the, the deceased soul against, against the feather. The feather. You guys, yeah. you. So we just had a. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was on HBO. It was on Disney Plus. There was a show called Moon Knight. I don't know if you guys are, have been hearing about that, but no. Uh, Egypt, Egyptian gods are very popular right now, at least yeah, uh, in the uh, zeitgeist of you know young adults. And one of the things that people are now being more aware of is that this is not a new concept that gods who weigh uh, good deeds versus bad deeds, even on literal balances have, it's been a concept that has existed. I would say back when uh, people were worshiping animals all the way to like these Judaic, you know, practice beliefs. And I would say like, because it's not novel, I think it'd be possible to actually envision that universe where you don't necessarily have, you know, our classic gods, but, perhaps this vague sense of justice in the universe that's keeping track of everyone. The only thing I don't know is what would that universe explicitly look like? Dred, do you have ideas? Yeah. I, I, I mean, now that I'm not ensconced in that sort of belief system, mm-hmm. I, uh, I find it hard to even appreciate what was going through my head when, when, uh, when I did believe it. Um, and I guess it's, you know, sort of a, it really comes down to magical thinking. Mm. Uh, this idea, and indoctrination. That, uh, well, it, yeah, certainly indoctrination because I was raised Catholic. Um, but then I, I certainly, after leaving Catholicism, you know, s- sort of uh, stayed on a spiritual path. The Egyptian gods were a big thing, Hermetic uh, magic and all that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I and I did that for actually I did that for a lot longer than it was certainly any useful purpose for, other than uh, you know sort of the social group. But uh, also, it's all it, it really does come down to magical thinking, I think, and and uh, just strange beliefs. Alita, you have something to say? They change that name. Um, no, uh, what gets me is that most of this um, karma belief uh, is founded on something we hardly even think about anymore as a society, and that's souls. I mean, right. if you don't have a soul, you're not going to be judged right or wrong or whatever in the afterlife because there is no afterlife. And if there's no souls, how many religions would just go away if they, we found that we could prove that souls don't exist? And there's never been any good evidence that they do exist, any evidence at all, except for you know, ghost stories and anecdotal evidence, that type of thing. But so, uh, couldn't karma, I mean, if karma did exist, mm-hmm. could it not exist in the absence of a soul? Because you're, you're getting, um, you know, karma is happening to you well, all you're the ta- time. You're talking you know, about in this world? Yeah, yes. in this well, world. So if you yes. do something Which bad, well, that's going to come back well, at you. It, it begs the question, how long can you do something bad before it catches up to you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look at how, how long Hitler did it. You know, you would think that if karma was real, he, after he killed the first couple of people, he would die. 
Right. Uh, that's what a uh, universe with actual karma, quick, quick karma, uh, would look like. Uh, and he yeah, went on and had finally had we had to catch him and kill him ourselves, or at least get to that point yeah. before what he was doing stopped. Well, well, here's a good question too. Like, could the Large Hadron Collider find the karma particle, the karma, <laughs> the karma field in which karma manifests as? You know, how would we recognize it? (laughs) I mean, we found the God particle, but that's only because a scientist named it that. Right. Right. Not that it had anything to do with the God. Right. 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 Of course. John, love to get your feedback here. Yeah, sure. Well, do you have karma, karma, chameleon? (laughs) 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 That's 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 the, the, the karma particle. It's chameleon shaped. I thought it was just comedians, but okay. (laughs) <laughs> what I wonder is people only seem to wish for karma when, when they're disgruntled, when they feel that they've had a bad deal and they're looking for some compensation in the future. Yes. <laughs> do they never do it the other way around? I mean, do they never think, I've done a lot of good now, let's have some bad to balance it up. <laughs> you know, and actually, I, I get... I hear people say, you know, like uh, about lottery tickets and stuff. Like if they win a lottery ticket, like 400 bucks on a scratch and win or something, they say, Oh, well, I must have good karma, you know, mm-hmm. like attributing it to a magical, uh, a, a magical. Yeah. Or reason quote, or, I've done, yeah, yeah. I must be living right. Right. Yeah, John, John, I, I agree. After they spent $800 to get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John, I see your point. It's like, Karma exists for people to fill in the gaps of an imperfect justice system. Yeah, yes. And, and I wonder, and then, I was going to say, I wonder what the criteria are. I mean, how, mm. how do you decide whether you've had, what you've had was bad enough to deserve a bit of good? I mean, what, mm. what's the measurement here? Mm-hmm. One comment before we get to George, I just wanted to throw in, when we were talking about Hitler, it does, karma does provide this really unusual, scary point of view where it's like, well, then the Jews must have deserved it if karma exists because karma knows how to equitably distribute justice to everyone. Mm -hmm. And that is a really scary, you know, POV in my opinion. And then the second one is if if you win the lottery or if you do something terrible, let's say it's not something as, as, as not offensive as winning the lottery, but like you stole, you robbed the bank and you got away with it. You can look at that karmically speaking and say, well, I deserve to have the money and, 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 and get away scot-free because karma is on my side. It's like this really unusual tool to make empathy an alternative mental action when it should not yeah. have any inhibition whatsoever. Um, I, I still want to know what the metric yeah. is. Well, it's, it's just like, it's exactly like the God thing. I mean, when, when you're... When your football team wins, yeah, you, you you say God made my football team win. When yep. your football team loses, you say God works in mysterious ways. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same with the karma. Yeah. You say God yeah. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't say it's about time we had a lose now, do you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Alita, what do you think? <laughs> I uh, that name is Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to change it on my, my screen. Anyway, I'll change it here in a second. Um, I got you. 
No, when somebody uh, say they get they hit, they're in a fiery car accident and like three people die, but you didn't, you know, they say, right. you know, uh, well, I prayed or I'm a good Christian, inferring that the other people had it coming. And there's some right. built in karma in that type of uh, stance. As it were. Yeah. Yeah. And if anything, it's a system that makes life scarily easier for people who don't want to think about nuances or complex systems. So like if justice fails, you can think, oh, well, karmically, that murder will finally get retribution somewhere down uh-huh. the road. We don't have to fix this problem. Karma's got it. It's like, that's a bad, simplistic point of view. Yep. And if there's someone who gets like their house burned down, it's like, yeah. ah, karma will fix it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I don't have to you know, help this neighbor of mine right. or learn from their folly. It's just the universe will take care of it and I'm good. Yeah. And, and unless you go downtown and look at all the cold cases files. Yes, you know, exactly. People that don't get caught. Right, right, right. And it's just, uh, in my head, permission to not think critically what I see when I see karma. And I wish they would be recognized for that, for what it is. And, and more along the lines of embrace the mystery of a universe that isn't, you know, tied together, that is very much has a lot of loose ends to it. And then realize that there's a potential for, I guess, servicing accountability like hey this is a this is somewhat of a random universe but i don't have to treat myself or other people randomly i can i can feel actualized by coming up with systems and behavior and character that make my actions uh representative of a good way of behaving in a in a chaotic universe and if i can set up a good model that inspires other people to behave and treat other people equitably the all the better for society in in a universe that doesn't necessarily have our best interests at heart and i think that tends to be something that gives me purpose and accountability and reason to wake up and, and try harder the next day, even when you know, I didn't fail and, and want to. Personally, I, I believe the universe doesn't care at all. No, the universe <laughs> is trying to kill us, by the way. Yeah. The, the sun yeah. is out there being like, why aren't you dead yet? Yeah. UV radiation. And hey, the John, cold. What's <laughs> John, what's up? <clears throat> oh, you're mute, my buddy. You know how in, in some games you have a rating against your name so that you've, you're a, a triple scorer or whatever? Sure. Uh-huh. If there was such a thing as, car- as karma, then the mm. universe, we'd have a little thermometer beside us and, and sure. it would go up as, as we got to the level of deserving karma. And then suddenly, suddenly we'd get some karma and it would go back to zero. Okay, I would. So in a universe, so we were talking about what would the universe need to look like in order for us to believe that karma exists. I would like to see something like that, just like a little meter that's next to everyone's head that goes up or green or red. And like there's a range. There's like a little yellow bar on either side. And if it crosses that line, you're going to get some karma. But if you go back down again, it's like normal. So like everyone's trying to do their best, like push it up to green and like get good rewards. And I think that could actually curb society in a good way. Just immediate feedback on the actions that we do. That's just a literal guideline of like, this is a good thing. That's a bad thing. Do the good things. It's good for yes. everybody. But we don't I have to call that a karma-ometer. Yes, karma-ometer. Like karma-ometer. Nice. Yeah. I was <laughs> nice. thinking that, uh, you good. know, there's, there's probably a million dollar idea right there is coming up with a, a device that just reads, you know, some random backfield magnetic yes. field or whatever. And, and people carry it along and that's their karma. Yes. Yeah. Like a radiation thing, you know, yeah, you go, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Genghis Khan or Hitler or somebody, how high do you, do you set that? I mean, what's your range on them? Yep. <laughs> so I think that is it basically just make it scientific, like mm-hmm. make the measuring of karma scientific and visible to everyone. 
And then we believe it exists, something that's testable and recordable, and that can be measured through repeatable tests that are objective across different people. Then we have a very strict guideline on what we can do to increase our karma, what we can do to get our cosmic justice, what we can do to get our cosmic rewards. And I think if we had that, we wouldn't have a complaint that we're getting them or being punished by them, because now we have a guide of what it takes to get either or. And we'd be totally fine with that. You can take the next step instead of just putting a gauge next to the person have some kind of shock uh, come from it, you know, a uh, built-in uh, Larry going uh, straight to the, the, the scary built-in retribution. You this know, is why we can't have nice things. You know, I'm also going to say this too. Hey, there might be, if we do have gauges, right. Uh, maybe there could be like some sort of, um, if it was like a thing that you buy at a store and put on your shoulder or like on your neck, that'd suck. But I would, I was preferring like someone just left something over my head, just like, spiritually or heavenly like a like, health bar yeah or just like some sort of visual indicator of like hey this yeah. guy is doing good a this halo that gets bigger and bigger and halo. <laughs> or horns i don't want to give christians any head starts and saying that they're right all along i was thinking more of like the life bar or horns i like mm, horns they're cool yeah. the cool you are the bigger yeah. your horns are i love that <laughs> i always say we should have had horns yeah, yeah. you, you know that like, guy i'd be like a moose yeah. mm. <laughs> you, you know that guy who sold a load of fake mine detectors he sold them to governments mm-hmm. oh this, wow. yeah and they bought I forget it. What, killers it had nothing in it you know it mm-hmm. was just a gadget and, and, yeah and as as people as people went into the airport or whatever they were te- tested by this gadget which produced no results at all but he made a fortune let's tell him this is his next project okay he's in jail of course he's in jail now mm-hmm. now I'm going to throw something out because we still have like about eight minutes before the half. But do we not have systems like that already in place? And I'm going to I'm going to take a wild step into the beyond here. But I'm thinking like social media has sort of become sort of that litmus of good standing among people and immediate feedback from peers or even an audience in terms of whether this person is a person of character or mm-hmm. not a person of character mm-hmm. however the judgment yeah. system tends to be uh more stark john it sounds like you have something uh, yeah to say, I, yeah i love that idea and, and it happened only a few days ago hmm. we were in a situation i was driving my daughter to school and okay. we were in a situation where there are two lanes one turns right and one, the other one turns left or goes straight on and the, the right-hand one is popular, so there's a half a mile of tailback. So what people do is they steam up the left one <laughs> and then try and sneak in between you so that when the lights go green, they save themselves a lot of time. Hmm. We, did, we did the very thing you're thinking here. We, we insisted on public justice. We kept our cars so close together. This ah. poor guy, this poor guy who'd steamed up on the left-hand side couldn't get in and he had to wait there for the next red cycle to go through. That was was public karma. Right, right, right. Even when I was in school, we would have, before social media existed, I would be like, I would only allow people to come into line if I was the last person in line because I only wanted it to affect me. But it always made me upset when people in front of me, like way in front of me, would let their friends cut in because it affected not just them, but everyone behind them. I'm like, what are you doing down there? I think only the person at the back has the right to do that. Yes. So like, I feel like there are, I feel like we have some social mechanisms in place, maybe yeah. not as digitalized as what social media does, but that does help us remember 
what character looks like and we can come up with like a social sort of like reaction to that. Dred, what do you think? Public justice. Public justice. I I think that uh, social media though um, is often driven by um, kind of populism, right? Hmm. Right. You know, and if, if you, it's harder to voice an un, um, an unpopular opinion and be canceled for it uh, often quite stridently by, you know, a group of people who are quick to be vocal and self-righteous and all the rest of it. So it's not really a good barometer right. yeah. for the quality of character. It's sure. just whoever yells the loudest and uh, right. One has to take a, a place look for discourse yet. Only take a look at the number of followers Trump has you know, yeah, to right, see right, that right, there's a right. flaw in the system. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's uh, there's similar to how people will reach out to karma as a salve to a broken justice system. A lot of people reach out to loud voices that just seem confident mm-hmm. as a salve to their own lacking self-esteem. Yep. And they and they grip onto you know, loud, powerful voices, even when they're completely objectively wrong, because in them they have recompense for their lack of you know, value that they see in themselves. They see right. value in other people. It's, as it's, a, an, as it's, a, it's a, a ready auto, um, amplification yeah. of their own feelings without having to be necessarily that loud themselves. Right. And likewise, you know, it's hard to get an education. Let's just, I'm just going to be flat out. Like working out is difficult. Working out your brain, also difficult. They're both, they both take time and effort to like ratchet your way up. But the thing is muscles you can see, but smart you can't. So you always have the impression when you see a guy who's really muscular, like, oh, well, I'm not as strong as him, but I'm definitely smarter than these PhDs. I'm smarter than these professors. I'm smarter than these guys who are telling me what I should do and what I shouldn't do. I don't like that. It's like, maybe you're not, but that's not a popular opinion to like ex- to expound upon. And so as a result, there's like this very stark anti-intellectualism, even when the, the matter that intellectuals are proposing are in the best interest of all of humanity, climate True. change. Uh, right. Civil rights. Oh, so many different things. The list just goes on. I don't have to go over it here. But that is why I find a lot of people who are looking for a loud voice to, to feel self-esteem, to fill in their self-esteem for, typically go the anti-intellectual route, typically go the route that is anti-science and like hold on to this more conservative ideology that or one that's more closed minded, even on the liberal side, where it's just like, I don't care about these other opinions. I don't care about other discourse. I just want to listen to this one person who's perhaps saying something that's absolutely harmful to society at large. It's very unfortunate. And I think we break out of that by it just empowering people to think critically on their own and giving them the opportunity to be educated and maybe even skewing our education practices to enable better critical thought practices. Because right now we just teach kids out of books or, or, you know, like list of rules to remember or, or, you know, answers in the back of, you know, text. like, let's let them think about problem solving and let them go empower them to do it on their own. Yeah. John. I, I thought we all imagined that we were always the smartest person in whichever room, or is it just me? <laughs> George, what do you got? Well, I I think that we are in a period now when uh, anti-expertise is on the ascendant. I love that. And um, I I see different signs of it here and there. I mean, at least in the society that I'm looking at here in the United States, I I can't talk about elsewhere in the world. There, There do seem to be 
places, different places in the world where authoritarianism is is the rule that I wasn't aware of before. I, I don't know about anti-expert, anti-expert sentiment. Well, it's what a, is it? It's lack, of, lack of trust in institutions. Mm, that too. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and some of it even rightly deserved, I would say. But like also Dunger-Kruger effect. What do you think about yeah, that, Dred? Yeah, do you think that yeah. falls into it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No question. What is this effect you're talking about, Kruger? Dredd, the Kruger-Dunning effect is where um, you believe that you are smarter than you are, essentially. <laughs> that you have greater expertise in a subject, which you certainly don't. Well, the less you know about something, the more you think you know about it. And the reverse is also true. There are people who are uh, highly educated who underestimate their ability yeah. in certain mm. subjects. Um, but it's, it, Dunning-Kruger is a bit more than that because it's not having the ability to understand what you, how much you don't know. Yes. Right. Yes. right. That's it. That's, that's, that's it in a nutshell. And that. the more you get that understanding through actually understanding it, the more you realize that there's so much more to not understand. Yes. And so it, it yeah. humbles you in a weird way. Sometimes at least that's what it should. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and for those who don't have it, it's just a gross overestimation of what they're capable of doing. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you can't learn it. Just be and, aware that this is a good way to, I mean, in uh, street epistemology is, is the calibration is to uh, find out what, to what degree a person is confident in their belief about something. And if someone's a hundred percent or comes off as a hundred percent, you already know that there's Mm -hmm. a bit of the Dunning-Kruger effect in there because, um, you know, I had someone talk about uh, in Canada here, the freedom truckers thing of the anti-vax movement or anti-mandate movement. And they said, you know, I'm a hundred percent confident that what I believe is true. I have doctors and scientists who agree. And I pointed out that a doctor and a scientist would never, uh, well, in the majority of cases, would never say that they're 100% confident in anything because the nature of science and medicine and all the rest is that it's a, it's a matter of discovery. And you could be 99%, but you always reserve right. a, a level of um, uncertainty in order mm-hmm. for you to change your mind when the facts change this is all provisional it's all provisional exactly man i could talk about confidence all day how much time do we got larry are we really at that break right now we're pretty much at the break uh, okay, okay i guess okay. we're uh stay tuned right here for the second half of the digital free thought radio hour we're on wozo radio 103.9 lpfm right here in knoxville tennessee and we'll be right back after this short break Have you heard the news? The storm has lifted and there's nothing to lose. So swap your confirmation for your dancing shoes because there never was no God. Step out of the darkness and onto the streets. Forget about the fast, let's have a carnival feast. Raise up your lowered head and hear the liberation beat because there never was no God. And there is no Clap your hands together, there is no God, no heaven and no hell, there is no God, we're all in this together. 
back to the second half of the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Dr. Five, and we're on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Let's take a moment to talk about the Atheist Society of Knoxville. ASK was founded in 2002, and we're in our 20th year. ASK has over 1,000 members, and we have weekly in-person meetings in Knoxville's old city at Barley's Taproom and Pizzeria. Look for us inside at the high top table or outside on the patio if the weather is nice. We're usually the loudest, happiest group there. We also have Tuesday evening Zoom meetups. If you'd like to join us, email us at askanatheist at knoxvilleatheist.org or letschatse at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us online at in Facebook, meetup.com, or at the website knoxvilleatheist.org, or you can just Google Knoxville Atheist. It's just that simple. By the way, if you don't live in Knoxville, you should still go to Meetup and do a search for an atheist group in your town. Don't find one? Start Start one. one. And Wombat, where do you want to pick up? 
Yo, I want to talk about confidence real quick before we get into the next topic, because it was a really interesting um, tangent. In our lab, we do the statistical tests to verify if a series of numbers that we get from an instrument are in control, if they're within an acceptable range of tolerance, or they're out of control. We don't just eyeball it and say, oh, these numbers look fairly similar to each other. We're good to go. Or have faith in the test. They will have faith in it. Faith doesn't go very far, though. There are religious people in our group, but they use our scientific methods when it comes to their scientific processes. And that should be telling Mm -hmm. to you. But anyway, the two tests that we do is called a T test and a Fisher's test. And the T test basically collates a bunch of numbers together and says, here's your score. And you can take that score and you can plug it into an A test or a Fisher's test. And it'll basically tell you if you can be 95% confident about it or not 95% confident about it about it being different or an outstanding outlier in that set of numbers. But the cool thing is, is why do we only stick to 95% confidence? You could actually skew your Fisher scale so that you could be 99.99999% confident or even 100% confident. However, it tends to be the case that people who skew their information that way only invite more skepticism at the result. If someone's yeah. even more than 95% confident after doing an A test, people will look at the number of tests they did. It's like, you're 100% confident that you're right, but you only did four tests. You should be doing thousands upon thousands. Right. No wonder your confidence is so high. You didn't do enough of a thorough study. Yeah. It's so a lot of people. Hacking, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hey, a lot man. of people. So a lot of people will just be like, 95 is the highest in terms of confidence I can get, which is a fairly confident value. I could still be wrong. But there's always room for that. And so in scientific circles, 95% is typically the highest you get. So you don't really find a skilled statistician or even like a, a well-versed scientist or a doctor who are like 100% of the time, it's going to happen this way. Or even like 99% of the time. It sounds great as far as like a sales pitch, but scientifically, it's a number that doesn't really have value. In fact, it actually makes you more alarmed at the study that was done in order to come up with that kind of result. Hmm. Cool. Makes sense. Cool. Yeah. All right. Everyone's cool. All right. So we're going to go into next topic. Do Christians threaten atheism brought to us by our own George Brown, the second and a half. George, would you mind talking to us about this topic real quick? What do you mean by do atheists threaten Christianity? Well, that, that's right. You, you, you got it wrong word. the first time. Yeah. <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> okay. Do atheists threaten Christianity? Well, um, there are a number of Christians who feel that they are um, they are being persecuted, and this this very this really puzzles me, you know, because I come from a background of people who really have been persecuted, and I, I don't know what these guys are talking about, but I think that maybe they they latch on to things to get outraged about. And when there is nothing to get outraged about, they, they manufacture something. So um, do we threaten them? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, John. I, you know, I, I, um, I, I get where you're coming from. And it's like because Christianity and, you know, sort of the institutionalized religiosity um, has been really unchallenged for so long. Uh, the increase in secularism is threatening the status quo. And I think that's just from my perspective is what the largesse of this whole um, persecution uh, uh, mentality is about. I could be John, wrong. What do you think? Well, 
I hope so. <laughs> I hope atheism threatens Christianity. I hope it threatens Islam. I hope it threatens all of the religions. But I don't want it to threaten Christians. <laughs> what they have here is a persecution complex. Yep. They've taken ownership of an ideology. It's well, the ideology well that we want to challenge, not mm -hmm. them personally. They need to revise their attitude towards it. And what we're doing, as I see it, is teaching science and how to understand and discover reality. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I may think the inverse is true. I would say uh, we start off as atheists in my head, and I don't see any other reason to believe in any other way. It's it's Christians that threaten atheism at every turn yes. of the corner because everyone starts off as an atheist are converted yes. into Christians when they're young before they have any developed critical thinking skills. And then it's they're up to them for most for a lot of for a lot of people to work their way back to the default state of, of yes. not only being back to an atheist if, if they can, but also developing a lack of fear of God, a lack of fear of death, critical thinking oh. skills, things that they should have had or were able to naturally develop if they weren't indoctrinated at such a young yes. age. Mm -hmm. I find that to be more tragic. Well, I think from, from what I've been seeing, um, there, you know, st statistics pop up in my life every once in a while that say, at least here within the United States, that uh, church membership has been dropping and it's been dropping steadily for, you know, at least 10, 20 years, uh, you know, dropping at a significant rate. Although that's I don't think that's the case with the fundamentalist people, you know, with, with the Baptists and the Baptist spinoffs, um, I guess, centered around where I live here, here in Tennessee. So I'm a bit puzzled. Larry, would you mind touching in? Oh, to me, it threatens it uh, because atheism shows that non-belief is an option. Like when I grew up, nobody I knew was a non-believer uh, right. until I got to college. And once I found out that there were actual people who said, no, I don't believe it. And I have good reason for to not believe it is when I actually became a non-believer. So it threatens it in that way. Mm. Yeah. So... Uh, I was uh, I was going to say when you know, when the word conversion comes up, it's not it's always converting to a religion. It's not converting to atheism, right? You you can't convert to non-belief. You have to convert into into right. a, a faith system. Right. And I was also thinking that um, you know while we talk about the decrease in the number of churches. Um, which has, you know, is, is to, you know, the, the, the evidence is pretty clear of that. But at the same time, I think there's a consolidation of believers into larger and larger churches so that, you know, smaller chapels and stuff like that don't exist anymore because um, as the, as the singular voice of any religion starts to, uh, to dim and decrease somewhat, they have to, it's like there's a need for them now to gather in larger and larger centers in order to make more noise and, and build the confidence of their beliefs amongst each other. Mm -hmm. John. 
Well, I think you're right, Ty. I think that we're all born atheists. And what's been happening is they've been threatening us with their malicious rumours of hell and and afterlife pain and all that sort of nonsense. It's all part of it. And in order to try to protect their mythicism, what they've done is they've accused us of threatening them. It's a reversal. Mm-hmm. They, right. They've demonized us as the threat. It's nonsense. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know, it does come down to like, why is there that self-persecution? I feel like it's a easy thing to think of yourself as the underdog, right? In the grand scheme of things. But also religion has never been in the interest of making room for all the other different kinds of thoughts and dogmas in the world. It's always been a practice of monopolization. And it's only now when we have like this global society where people can internationally travel and internationally communicate at an instant that you see religion begin to dwindle because it's, it's interest is in not keeping all the different kinds of bifurcations alive, but rather making sure everyone sticks to a plan or some sort of single ideology, but they can't get to terms with each other because they are, you know, in, in their own ranks competing against each other. Mm. But that's why you see these smaller churches like fall off to the wayside. And I think that's leading to the diminishing numbers because people aren't subscribing to these larger store brand versions of religion. They're just like, ah, I guess I might as well just be my own thing. It's it's an irrational tribalism, an irrational Mm. tribalism, because it's based on something which has no evidence to support his existence. Right, right. It's a business that sells falsehood. <laughs> what else can you say about it? That is, and it's the easiest commodity to give away. It costs nothing. But what's up, Dred? Well, you know, and that's and that's why uh, one of the main reasons I I uh, identify as a pastafarian. Um, we're not a tribe. We're, you know, we don't have. We're not rigid. We, uh, you know, we take ourselves lightly. And in terms of those unexplained aspects of uh, reality that there is no answer for, it serves as a suitable avatar um, that we can sort of point to, have some fun with, and at the same time celebrate our own um, our own uniqueness and you know this amazing universe. Um, so that's my defense of pastafarianism. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that is true. It's not. It's it's such a nuanced point to to tie theism and religion in the same basket, but they are different things. Yeah, and I think in some aspects, certain religions are actually valuable and useful when you can when you can handle them, and I think when you can handle them in a way where it doesn't harm critical thinking practices, and like you can just really appreciate your community. That's fantastic. I also find that. Theism is just an invitation of accepting a bad model of reality because I have had conversations with Christians before who said, Tyrone, you don't think the truth is important because you don't believe in God. And I'm like, okay, so one, I don't think I know where this is leading up because I've done conversations like this enough times where it's like objective truth is God. And that's why you think my, my truth is important because you think truth is God and therefore blah, blah, blah. But in my head, I've always found objective truth to be overrated. Because what's guided science is not the objective truth. It's what's useful. Come up with a model for it and understand that it's just a model of reality. It's a work of fiction that we can pull useful truths out of. And the more useful it is, the better we can apply it to come up with better you know, systems and better understandings of the universe. The objectivity truth of it is not important at all. It's why we have Google Maps 
that has a flat 2D representation of the world. I know when I tap Nashville, my thumb's not going down and pushing Nashville into the dirt. I know it's a work of fiction. It's a model that I'm working with, but it's a useful model for me to drive up to Nashville if I need to. Mm -hmm. And as long as I understand it as a work of fiction and pull the useful truths out of it, I can benefit from that. That's the concept of science. But religion is like a goat in a book in my holy book told me not to steal things. I'm like, it didn't literally need to be a goat telling you that for it to not be a good idea to steal things. Like it still would be a bad idea to steal things, even if a magical goat or a magical bush or a dove on someone's shoulder or a guy who could resurrect from the dead told you not to do those things. Like you don't need the the theatrics of it. Like there are some good morals in here that if you just appreciate it as a work of fiction, could still be true. And I feel like because you've tied it in with this God complex, this theism complex, you just invited a really bad mechanic of understanding what real is and what's not real and what's good and what's not good. It's a barrier. Tied it yeah. Unnecessarily true story or unnecessarily. It's a barrier to story. discovery, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Because right. once you have John. the answer, you don't have to look anymore. Right, yes. right, 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 right. John, what's up? Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right again. Who was it said that all models are wrong, but some models are useful? Mm-hmm. And there's some very wise person. But the, the only... I think he was a pirate. Yeah, probably. <laughs> the, the, only, the only false tribal religion that I think is harmless, apart from Pastafarianism, of course, is um, what should we, karmaianity. Oh, Ooh, this is new. Karma, karmalism. <laughs> karmalism. It, is. Car- <laughs> it sounds delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a reverse segue. <laughs> they hate the sprinkle lights, though. They hate the sprinkle lights. You have to like pick camp. You, my my life is caramelized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sprinkles all the way. Let's go. Um, Dread, did you have something to add to that? Just wanted to no. uh, touch base. Okay. Yeah. Ice cream all the way down. <laughs> I scream all the way down. Guys, uh, we have, speaking of science, we get, one... Until oh, we get to the turtles. That's right. We got... The show is also about the sciences. I want to bring up... Um, so we've had... I've had an email discussion with some people uh, who mail into the show. I'll keep them anonymous. I get a lot of requests that people would prefer to be anonymous. That's totally fine. But the comment that was made is that um, U.S. studies show that atheism or atheists are more unhappy than uh, religious people or people who have religion in their lives. And it was sort of a follow through comment from a previous email where we had conversations of how do atheists deal with stress and discipline. But uh, the, the counter argument based on our show from last week was that, well, everything you said sound reasonable. However, objectively speaking, U.S. studies show that atheists are less happy. And so isn't that a compelling argument that, you know, maybe religious people have figured something out, uh, something else out. And when I say religious, I literally mean theists and most like, well, I don't want to speak for the person. Anyway, Dred saw your hand up. Did you have comments? Uh, on that? John was up first there. Okay. John, you. what you got? Thank you. Well, I was going to say, I, I bet I know where that survey was conducted, but then you told us it was in the U S mm. I was going to say, I bet it wasn't conducted in Denmark. Which is, <laughs> it's a very happy country and almost nobody believes in any God. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And I, and I would think also that, uh, you know, it's, it's like one of my sons who believes in homeopathy and naturopathy, uh, the placebo effect, while it might make you feel that good, you know, it doesn't really remove the underlying causes of your ills. Okay. Um, you know, mm. it just, 
yeah, if you're happy with the placebo effect, well, good for you. But um, it still puts you out of sorts with uh, with the real world. Mm, mm, mm. Larry. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say that uh, <clears throat> it has nothing to do whether it's true or not. I mean, you're happier. Uh, ha- uh, what was I saw? So the drunk man is happier than a sober man. But it doesn't sure. mean that that's the way you should go. Yeah. Um, like for the rest also, of your life. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Also, if one religion makes you happier than no religion, shouldn't you be on the track of which religion makes you the happiest? And all very to that? good. Uh, it's not a very are- good argument. Larry, you got it. That was exactly what my point was going to be. That's fantastic. I was just going to say, so what? You know, mm-hmm. or as Matt Dillahunty would say, so what? Because he loves those silent H's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Mm-hmm. You know, it, tell me all the atheists in the world are miserable. And I'd be like, that's still not a convincing argument, you know, to, to be religious. Like, right. it's, it's yeah. always going to be the case that I will be convinced when there's a better argumentation or at least substantial evidence to prove that a god exists not whether or not it's more comfortable for me to believe in that god you can i don't care how happy it'll make me i care if it's true you can't just say i'm happy therefore god yeah exactly exactly and that is the sense it's an argument from comfort but it's basically i'm happy i heard statistically you weren't therefore god you know the weird thing is too um not to be not to be even more paranoid than i am however i am aware of the fact that there is a there is messaging within churches to say make your appearance look like you have your stuff together because you don't want to give us a bad look as a community because that's how we attract more people into our fold and so i know for example mormons have very strict dictates on how you behave in society how you're supposed to look dress code uh matters of appearance things that you like music which causes a huge amount of stress Oh, definitely. 24 yeah. seven. But if you talk to them, they're always smiling because they're, they have to, they have to, they have to Muslims have the same thing too. I don't know if it's everywhere in every sect of Christianity. I mean, I've seen Presbyterians, but they seem more just like they're in an environment where like, that's just the culture. But I know, for example, Jehovah witnesses also have very strict guidelines on how to yeah. behave and what to, what they find. One acceptable. of us. Exactly. One of us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So expanding, it? expanding on that idea, what we mm-hmm. really need is a ranking system which puts religions in order of most happiness. <laughs> the one yep. at the top is going to be the most tolerant. It's going to allow most things, isn't it? And the mm. one at the bottom, mm. that's probably, I don't know, Jainism or something, yeah. which is fairly permissive. But the one at the bottom is obviously going to be Islam. because you can't. <laughs> 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 yeah. You're not allowed to do anything fun mm. in Islam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's a hard point to to, to leave on. Um, you know, Janus also, ha- I would say Jainism is pretty rough, too, for a lot of people. I would imagine it'd be pretty rough. Uh, I don't think you can eat bacon as a Janus either, right? Like, tell me something that a Janus can do that an Islam person couldn't, that it, right? What's, what's the religion that emanated from Iran in reaction to Islam, which sort of mashes together the best bits of all the other religions. I forget the name of it, but it's uh, it, it's a pretty know. damn good religion. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I might be the genius. I can't remember it. Isn't that genius? There is a uh, there is a so if we're talking about happy, there's a religion called Last Thursdayism. If you guys aren't familiar with this, it's yeah. the idea that 
the universe was created last Thursday with all perceived memories just implanted into us. And so like, it really doesn't matter what's going to happen in the future, what's going to happen in the past. The universe only existed since last Thursday. So Hakuna Matata, you know, like just, (laughs) Hey, it doesn't matter so much in the grand scheme of things. Just have good time this week. Cause that's it. Hey, what's up George? Oh, you're on mute. My friend. He's sort of the, the name of the religion. Ba- Baha'i Baha'i is what you're thinking of. That's it. Yes, yes. Oh, wow. yeah. Thanks, George. George remembered something that none of us could remember in this show. <laughs> yeah. so like, let's that's make that because, well, that's because I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area for a long time. The yeah, Baha'i exactly. people have, have a large presence there. Yeah. I just couldn't remember the name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dredd, you have anything you'd like to say before you close up the show? Uh, yeah, I was going to say something, but uh, I got sidetracked. Okay. Where can we find your stuff at? Uh, well, I am on, uh, YouTube, uh, on my channel, mind pirate, M I N D P Y R A T E. And I record this live at 7 AM Pacific daylight time every Sunday morning. Fantastic. And you also, got a also global up. atheist news review, uh, at 11 AM Pacific daylight time. So, uh, Please check it out. And if you like it, subscribe and ring the bell. Hey, Dredd, let me ask you a question. You're setting up that studio. Is that going to be for future scientific conversations that yes. you'll have in front of the yes. camera? What's that about? Um, well, uh, the I've already said that I'll be talking about the, uh, the Higgs boson on a sort of a layman level, um, just so that people can have a better understanding of some of these uh, more complex uh, scientific concepts that they haven't, um, you know, haven't yet taken a, a deeper dive into. So I look forward to uh, producing some uh, content here in the very near future. I can be found at Let's Chat on uh, YouTube. Uh, I'm really shocked I still got that YouTube screen name, but uh, for the most part, I'm having fun time just uploading these videos. And uh, thank you guys so much for paying attention to the show. We have really, really long-term viewer engagement on our channels. We get about a couple hundred, but everyone watches the show for at least 40 minutes. And wow, that is cool. very unnatural as far as YouTube goes. So like, thank you guys for the long attention span. I think it's useful to produce long form content that people watch from more or less beginning to end each time. And, and, and just sort of like curb this sort of, you know, lack of attention span that we seem yeah. to be culturing yeah. on no, this They're all sleeping. They're sleeping. <laughs> anyway, uh, John Richards, where can we find your stuff at? Well, I'm at Freethought Productions YouTube channel. And um, as uh, already been trailed, I do Global Atheist News Review with a couple of you reprobates later on today. Uh, I don't actually live stream it myself because I want to do some editing, but uh, Dredd, you put it out live. I think somebody else puts it out live too, which is fine. It's all about getting seen, not about purity of content or even production values. And um, I also do free thought hour. I did a lovely free thought hour last night with a delightful lady from South Africa, Tercia Duplessis, who is a critical thinking teacher. She's, well worth watching. And of course, then there was Global Atheist News, which is the, the parent of the review, which is also up on my site to be seen. This will be later too. Fantastic. Fantastic. A critical thinking teacher. That's so good. Yeah, how can I do that? I just want to say uh, happy Mother's Day. It's uh, Mother's Day. Yep, that's true. Um, Very happy Mother's Day. And I just, I, I, my, 
my mom is a is a Christian, so um, I can't say Happy Mother's Day because she won't watch this. But I say it to all the other atheists and uh, Pastafarian mothers out there. Same here. My mom's a witness, but we still love them all the same. What can yeah, you say? Uh, and I'll call her after this show. So, uh, Larry, anything that you'd recommend that we check out? And uh, feel free to close up. Well, I'd, I'd say if you're a member of the clergy, but have come to see that the claims of religion are just not justified and you've lost your faith, but stuck in uh, the pulpit, as it were, uh, check out the Clergy Project. There's help for you there. It's clergyproject.org is the website. My content can be found at digitalfreethought.com. Be sure to click on the blog button for our radio show archives, Atheist Songs, and many articles on the subject of atheism. My YouTube channel can be found at Doubter5 or Larry Rhodes. And uh, my book, Atheism, What's It All About, is on Amazon. You can find this show as a podcast on Apple iTunes, Pocket Cast, Amazon, or Podcasts Anywhere. Just search for Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Thank you for joining us. Remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. And remember also that everybody is going to somebody else's hell. The time to worry about it is when they prove that heavens and hells and souls are real. Until then, don't sweat it. Enjoy your life. And we'll see you next week. Say bye, everybody. Ramen. If you live in or around the Knoxville area and are questioning your religious beliefs or simply believe in one less God than everyone else, well, you're not alone. The Atheist Society of Knoxville is a fun and friendly group of people just like you. We meet every Tuesday night at Barley's Tap Room and Pizzeria for happy hour. You'll find our group either inside or on the patio. We all question what we believe at one point in our lives. If this is the time for you, come join us for food, drink, conversation, and fun. 